Support for The Motley Fool's industry focus comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Home plays a big role in your life. That's why Quicken Loans created Rocket Mortgage. It lets you apply simply and understand the entire mortgage process fully, so you can be confident that you're getting the right mortgage for you. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com fool. That's rocketmortgage.com F-O-O-L. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. You're listening to the Financials Edition, taped on Thursday, August 3rd, 2017. My name is Gabby LaPera, and joining me in the studio is Dan Klein, one of my favorite writers here at The Motley Fool and Jack of All Trades. Hello, Dan. Hello, and thank you. I did not know that. <laughs> like, top 10 or top 100? <laughs> I'm not going to tell you, and also don't tell the other writers. <laughs> well, you can be quite sure none of the other writers ever watch a podcast they're not on. <laughs> so. Fair enough. Um, so, this show is pre taped. I have no idea when it's going to go out. So, if there's some sort of huge financial news that I'm ignoring, it's not on purpose. I'm probably sick or on vacation, and I promise I'll cover it when I get back next week. Um, but I bet Molly Fool Money or Market Foolery has said something about it in the meantime. Um, anyway, turning to our show today, I don't know if you guys remember, Dan and I did a careers based show um, a while back. I don't know how far back because I don't know when you're listening uh, to this. Well, Fourth of July, basically. <laughs> Over 4th of July, and it was really great, and we got a lot of really good feedback about it. So, I invited Dan back again, and we are going to talk about two main topics today. One of which is how do you know when it's time to leave a job, and how to find a job while you already have one? Like, what's and 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 how to leave gracefully? So, those are the those are the two big topics. Um, how to how to know when it's time to leave a job? I know it varies from person to person, well, but there's there's a few things, a few big things. Like you see the writing on the wall. Yeah, and I think the big thing is people get very scared. Mm-hmm. You know, they have a job, they're getting a paycheck, they have health insurance, all the things they need. Oh, I love health insurance. And they don't think about happiness as so. You know, you're not going to walk in and quit your job when your job is good enough, but. You should start thinking about it. You should start looking and saying, you know, if 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 you look and you say the writing's on the wall, and that can mean a few different things. So, you know, maybe you're up for a promotion and you don't get it. Maybe there's just no place to go. You know, you're looking and you're saying, I could do this job for the next twenty years, but boy, I could have to do this job for the next twenty years. <laughs> and you should think about those things and not be afraid to Open your eyes. Doesn't mean you storm into the boss's office and quit. Doesn't mean you, you know, leave Friday, don't come back Monday. But you should be open to the idea, even though that can be terrifying. Definitely. Um, and just to kind of circle back around to like reasons that you might want to quit, but you're not in a huge hurry to quit. Like you said, having health insurance is great. But I don't know, like you look around the company and you see that maybe there are money issues. And you're worried about the future of the company. You don't think it's going to go bankrupt tomorrow, but like you're not really sure if they're going to be around in well, ten years. What you don't want to be, and I've worked at companies that have run out of money. <laughs> I've worked at companies <laughs> that have been teetering on the. You know, I, I came up through the you know the internet age, where you know I, I worked at a very large internet company that went through something like eighty million dollars in two years. And oh if you're, and which was normal back then, you know, you didn't make money, but you might <laughs> in the future. None of those companies exist anymore. But if you're working at a company and you start to see things like, 
you you know your direct deposits two days late, mm-hmm. or if you still get a physical check, which I think only about thirty percent of Americans do. But if you still get a physical check and you have to race to the bank because the exact amount is in the account and one check will, those are things where you start looking because if you work even with just a handful of people and the company does go out of business, you don't want to be the sixth person from that company who's sending out a resume. So there are situations where you want to get ahead of it, and and sometimes it's quality of life. You know, you might have a job you like and your boss leaves, and the new boss. It might not even be a person who's mean. It just might be a style you don't like, or your talents and their talents are too close together, so you don't have the autonomy you once did. It's okay to leave your job because you're you don't love your job anymore. Yeah, no, definitely. And I will put in a plug that if you work in a toxic work environment, probably time to find a new job. Well, sure. I mean, we, you know, <laughs> we, we we've written about this a lot. There are a few scenarios where you can leave your job and not give notice. And one of them is if it's dangerous. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if if you're working for a boss who is saying things like, uh, "Yeah, I know you, uh, you know, think driving ten hours a day is is enough, but I really need you in California tomorrow, so drive straight through till you get there." That may not be a safe scenario. Any or a place where OSHA requirements are being ignored, <laughs> maybe leave. And no, I'm not talking about like, oh, I stood up on my spinny chair to change a light bulb. Because uh, see, maintenance wasn't fast enough. My family's in the ladder <laughs> business. That kind of stuff drives me insane. I, I, if, if you work someplace, and that is a good example, if you work someplace where they don't have the proper tools and they ask you to do dangerous things, and you have to judge that for yourself. Yeah, maybe standing on that chair to change a light bulb that's six feet in the air doesn't seem that scary. But if they have an, if they have an eight-foot ladder for a job that needs a 12-foot ladder, and you're standing on the top step that says, not a step, which is you know my email address if you've seen an email from me, <laughs> That is time to go, and you know other situations. If you're being sexually harassed, if uh, if you're being threatened, if you're but but you know those are not the the biggest scenarios. Obviously, they happen, and it's really more of a case of you've got to evaluate. You got to look at your job, and when you stop wanting to get up in the morning, not all of us can say, "Okay, I don't like this anymore. Now I'm done," because we still need money and we like to eat. But that's when you can start being open to other things beyond just the, yeah, I look at the the classifieds for my industry, whatever internet form that takes, and if the dream job was out there, maybe I'd apply. Maybe you start looking at things that will be lateral moves just to shake up your life a little bit. Oh, and that's actually a really good point. Um, if you get super comfortable at a job and you're just like you look around and you're like, what am I doing with my life? Look, there's times in your life, and I'm older than you, as I'm sure anybody watching this can tell. <laughs> um, you know, when my son was born, he's 13 now. I specifically took jobs based on that I could not be a newspaper editor and have a newborn at home. You can't have a 2 a.m. deadline every night and also be a decent parent. I'm sure people have done it. I don't want to insult anyone who has, mm-hmm. but it wasn't going to work for me. So I took a job in my family business in the construction area where. Very rarely did customers ever need me at night. You know, it was a seven to four kind of job. And yeah, after two years, I was good at it and I was looking around going, What am I doing with my life? I'm an editor and I'm a writer, but I had to wait until my son was a little older and I could move on. So sometimes boring is okay. But if you don't have those impediments, if you don't have things in your life or, you know, reasons, you know, maybe maybe you have a health issue and you don't want to risk any change in coverage or something, if those aren't there, Life should be exciting. <laughs> you, 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 we work a lot. I mean, I don't know about about you, but 
you know, seven to five can be normal for me. I I see that you guys are odd. You edited things of mine at eleven o'clock at night. Yeah, I'm I'm a little bit more of a night owl. That's my issue. So I get to work late, but then I'm also at work late. <laughs> yeah, and, and if you like your work, I think that's great. And you know, I'm sure getting to read stories I've written at eleven o'clock at night is you know basically like you know a new show premiering on Netflix. I'm sure it's definitely delightful. it's scintillating. I just I can't look away. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, if if you don't feel that way, or you know, maybe it's just simple. Maybe the coworkers you had lunch with all have moved on, mm-hmm. and the parts you enjoyed about your day have just become drudgery, and you can leave. There's in most cases you have more value than you think you do. And it's generally easier to get a job when you have a job, as opposed to being unemployed, you become a little bit tainted in the eyes of the people doing the hiring. No, definitely. I think that there's nothing wrong with being comfortable. Like There's some people who really love their jobs, and they could go into work every day and do the exact same thing for 20 years, and that's awesome. I think that that's incredible, and I'm not one of those people. And neither am I. I, I yeah, this is the longest I've ever been working for the same company. Um, but what's interesting about what we do here at Fool, uh, you know, especially those of us who are work from home, you know, writers, is you can make the job whatever you want it to be. So, you know, I work on these podcasts sometimes. I do other special projects. Nobody ever calls and asks you most of the time. Hey, would you like to be involved in a special project? You usually have to stand up. So sometimes it isn't leaving your job. Sometimes it is going to your boss or other people in the company and saying, things are a little stagnant for me. Boy, I'd love to learn this department. I'd love to, we, we should be in this field. So you don't always have to leave to leave. You know, you might transfer. You might just create new little wrinkles in your job. It's something you've done here Definitely, uh, you know, a bunch of times. Yeah, like the podcast. I was not originally allowed to do that, um, and now here I am because Christine hated the financial sector. Um, <laughs> she used to do this podcast actually, um, and and just a just a quick point about that. There are good and bad ways to ask to do new things. Um, a bad way would be going to your boss and saying, "Hey, man, I'm super bored and I hate my job now." Fix it. <laughs> you have to approach everything as a positive, and there, there's one major caveat to this. Mm-hmm. You cannot go to your boss and ask for new responsibilities or even different responsibilities if you're not doing your job well. So it's very important when you get bored to not let that leak into your performance. So if you're someone who's always eager in meetings and over the course of time becomes someone who sits in the back and doesn't participate, that's going to be noticed. And if it has happened, well, then you need to address it. You need to go to your boss and say, here's what's happening, here's why I'm going to correct this, but I'd also like to move into these areas. But if you've done a good job, then you point it out to your boss, and sometimes it is, hey, I'll do this extra. I'll take this on on the side to see if we can create revenue, momentum, a reason for this to exist. And we've seen that you know, here at Fool over and over again. You, know, you and I both work on the careers content, which is a relatively new, which is why we're talking today, <laughs> but it's a relatively new area for us. And we've tried lots of different experiments, and they don't all work. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it's delightful when one does work. And it becomes something we do. And I think, you know, if you work in an office and you have a well laid out plan that, you know, isn't a huge expenditure, and you walk into your boss and your boss just wants things to be exactly as they are, well, that tells you a lot about your job and your future and whether you want to be there or not. So that, you know, that might be a sign where you say, okay, I've tried here and now it's time to go. Definitely. So just to recap a little bit, 
reasons that you might want to leave your job. Um, maybe not bad work environment, but just boring work environment where there's not a lot of opportunity. You've, you've done it all. You you've know, just done that. it all. Um, and there's maybe no opportunity to, to progress or do anything new. Um, maybe you've been passed over for a promotion um, and there's no more opportunity for promotion. Or maybe you just don't like who you're working for. It's not horrible, but you just don't like them very much. Yeah, I mean, the you know, the we're not really talking today about obvious situations where just like you, they made you take a pay cut, so you're gonna quit, or or something terrible has happened. These are just sort of the uh, yeah. And when and when life becomes uh, then you know then it's time to pack up your desk. I'm gonna love seeing how the transcriptionist <laughs> writes that noise. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Um, hey, so if they can handle the singing on answers, I'm pretty sure they'll, they'll be able to figure that out. <laughs> um, so we're just going to take a brief break. Support for Industry Focus comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Chances are you're confident when it comes to your work, your hobbies, and your life. Rocket Mortgage gives you that same level of confidence when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. Rocket Mortgage is simple, allowing you to fully understand all the details and be confident you're getting the right mortgage for you. Which hopefully, after this podcast, you will be confident in your decision to leave your job. <laughs> but maybe not if you're trying to get a home loan. Um, do you know how complicated getting a mortgage really is? It's terrible. So that's why you should go with Rocket Mortgage. Um, there's all this paperwork to keep track of, and Rocket Mortgage does it for you. It's such a better solution. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com fool. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, NMLS, consumeraccess.org, number 3030. Um, okay, so let's turn to our second topic, which is actually leaving a job. And again, we're st- we're still talking about like a job that you find tolerable, but maybe not life affirming. Um, <laughs> and not all jobs are life affirming. I know that I've had plenty of non life affirming jobs, but you're getting ready to 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 look for a new job. What are some of the things that you should keep in mind? Well, when you're leaving a job, now first of all, if you have a job. And you're not going to be there for 30 years. If you're a school teacher or a nurse, and that's what you do when your goal is to stay in the same place, these things may not be as important. But most people, when they take a job, go in with the idea that it's probably not the rest of their life. Networking is the most important thing. And I don't just mean big ticket like, I'm going to go to the industry trade show and meet the president of so-and-so. But you should do that. But you should do that. (laughs) But I mean really going through your LinkedIn contacts, your Facebook, your your Rolodex, which I know isn't a thing anymore, and you probably are, think it's the candy with the caramel inside. But no, your Rolodex, you know, is your contacts, everybody you know, and think, hey, does my former intern now work someplace that you know she could put in a word for me? Do, does my mother's friend have a contact? And the important thing to do is you want to warm up those relationships. Because you don't want to just be the person who, after three years of no contact, emails someone and says, can I have a favor? So that might be as simple as just interacting with them on Facebook by putting a comment on their, their photo of their dog or whatever it is. But Yeah, asking them out for coffee. Yeah, asking them out for coffee. Just having them know who you are in a, in a way beyond that when you ask them for the favor, you have to email them and say, you may remember me from three years ago when you know I was your intern supervisor or, or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But you really should look to everyone out there. And if you don't have the contacts, let's say you really want to change professions. You know, you're, you're 
working in one area, go meet the people that are necessary. You know, it most and this really isn't that hard. I think a lot of people get really intimidated by this idea that you can literally just email someone and be like, "Hey, I would love to work in This actually happened to me a couple months ago. I would love to work in um, online media. Can I grab lunch with you?" And I was not particularly interested in meeting this person, but they were a friend of a friend, and I was like, sure, you know what, let's grab coffee instead, because that's less of a commitment. <laughs> but I, I was happy to help out this person that I had never talked to it, in my entire life. It happens to me all the time, because parents get scared. Their kid's in year three of communication school or whatever. You know, <laughs> They're getting a degree that doesn't correspond to a job. And sometimes it's just helping them talk it out. I have a very good friend whose son was in, a, in the financial space, making really good money, and he wanted to work in sports journalism. So we sat down and we talked it out and we talked about, you know, a lot of, you know, radio hosts are also the sales director. So you have all this business experience and he's actually a, a producer for Sirius XM now uh, cool. of, a, of business shows. But so he's not quite in sports, but he's closer to what he wants to do. And he's in radio, which was, was something. And so it really is. Most people like to be a hero. That's a, it's a phrase you'll see me use in articles a lot. We've talked about it here. So if you contact someone and you go have coffee and you say like, yeah, boy, I really need a foot in the door here. Somebody somewhere down the line is going to ask them, hey, do you know an entry level person? I need an assistant. I need a, uh, you know, a part time or whatever it is. And they might go, yeah, I do know someone. And that's how you get your foot in the door. And it might be your way out from a situation you're not that happy in. Definitely. Um, I think the other thing to think about when you're looking for work is you need to think about what, what you want to do. Right. And you need to think, like, what are the things that you're looking for in a job that will make you happy or that you really need in your life? Like you mentioned having a set schedule so you could pick up your son from daycare or whatever it was. Or maybe you just graduated from law school and you have a ton of debt and you're like, I'm going to work for a law firm that I don't really like for a little bit because they have a lot of money. You sort of need to make your list, you know, your pie chart of priorities. And they're going to change. There might be points in your life where, you know, pretend two years from now you're getting married. And and you and your, your future spouse are sitting down and you want to buy a house in three years. Or in my case, I have a son going to college in five years, which is terrifying. <laughs> um, and you say, boy, I'm going to need X amount of money. I'm, you might take a job that, that you don't love because it pays better, knowing it's not forever. But even when you do that, you want to make sure that the skills you get from that job help you get to the one you want. So if, if your goal is to get to a certain place, it's okay to detour for money or for schedule or for whatever, but don't detour so far that you can never get back to where you're going. You know, that, that's a very important thing to remember. And you really need to just sit down and figure out how much you want to leave. Because there have been times I've had jobs where I like the job well enough, but I would be willing to apply for things that if I got it, not only would it be awesome for me, but when I went in to tell my boss I was leaving, he or she would look at me and be like, oh, yeah, of course. You're, you know, you're going you're gonna to be a clown in the circus? Like You have to do that. And like Who wouldn't <laughs> do that? And, and then there have been times where I've been in a job where I've applied for anything that would pay enough and get me out of the situation I was in, sometimes even if it was a bad job. And another area, and I've talked to my wife about this a lot over the years, who who's, has a PhD, she works in nonprofits, that sometimes if you like the people 
and there's things in an organization you'd eventually like doing, it's okay to take a job that isn't the job you wanted. You know, at times in her career, she's wanted to work at universities. And I've said to her, well, they may not hire you as a professor, but if you're the grants administrator and you want to adjunct, you're going to have a much better chance of adjuncting than someone from the outside. So sometimes you make those decisions and just get your foot in the door. That's very true of government work or at a big company like a Microsoft. Once you've been there a year, you get access to jobs before they go open to the public. And, you know, You've got to look and see if a company has a stigma about moving around, but a lot of them don't or allow it after a certain period of time. So you really need to set that bar of what's going to get you to move. Yeah. And I want to kind of touch on something that you said earlier, which is like you're at a job and you're applying for other jobs. And this is something to keep in mind that it's way easier to get a job when you already have a job. It is. There, you know, it shouldn't be. But you know, we we said it before. There's just something about you're more in demand. It's it's kind of like if you're in a relationship, perhaps more people think you're attractive when you're <laughs> when you're out at a bar. That's probably a confidence issue. But that also comes through in job interviews for most people. You know, and you have more salary flexibility when you're working, or your ability to say. Hey, I get four weeks vacation. I want four weeks vacation. Well, if you're unemployed, you don't get you get all vacation. So, <laughs> so there, there's no negotiating point. You know, it, it's it is important though to remember that a lot of industries are small, mm-hmm. and as you apply for jobs, you do want to be careful and be discreet and yes. be aware. If your boss is friends with her counterpart at the similar company down the road. Maybe don't apply for a job there unless you're willing for your boss to find out. Yeah. And I mean, that also being discreet when you're applying for jobs when you already have a job, maybe don't apply for jobs when you're in your office. Oh, you. You know, don't. Never use company resources Mm -hmm. to apply for jobs. Meaning, if you have a company laptop and they let you take it home, don't have your resume on it. Don't, even if you can wipe your track, all the things we can all do to to cover our tracks, don't print out your resume on the computer there. Don't use the fax machine because jobs are one of the only things ever that sometimes still require a fax. Some very big companies still use that method. Don't use theirs. Go to Office Depot if you have to, because you probably don't have a fax machine at home. If you don't have a computer, go to your local library. (laughs) I've always heard that advice, but the computers at the local library are terrible. Yes, they are. Go to go to a work facility where you can rent a computer as expensive as that is. Go to a FedEx office, and honestly, you can buy a serviceable laptop for 150 bucks now. Oh yeah, yeah. Go go buy a laptop. That's true. Buy, Buy a printer. There's electronic faxes. Um, but don't steal paper from your company. It's it's not just about leaving. It's also about how you leave, and that's that's something we're going to talk about in the future. Yeah, I know. Um, and actually, you know what? That's a great transition. Let's talk about <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> how to leave. Um, no, I think I think we covered everything about like finding a job, being discreet, um, thinking about what you want, networking having a job while you look for a job <laughs> which like it, and the thing is like if you do have some sort of gap in your work history like I have 3 months where I did not work and I was not in school so I went backpacking in Europe for 3 months and, and I think you want to address that on your resume um you know luckily as journalists it's very easy to do one freelance assignment and say, "Oh yes, that's six months I was out of work." No, no, I was freelancing. I yeah. was, uh, I or was doing. Say you took some time off to write the next great American novel. Just say like you took that time and you were trying to do something with it, and it didn't work out. So now you're looking for work. Yeah, and I, I think it's okay mm-hmm. to 
have done the dream trip or something, you know, most employers, if you get that interview, they may ask, you know, how come for four months you didn't work? And if your answer is, because I always wanted to walk through New Zealand, I don't think too many are going to go, well, that's a waste of time. Like, why'd you do that? You're not hired. You know, unless you're in a field where, you know, you have to keep your skills current. Where you'll also want to demonstrate, yes, I did these things, but I still read the industry journals or kept up or took whatever tests were needed. Uh, but it, but in general, just be be upfront about things like that. Yeah, don't don't lie, lie, just lie a little. <laughs> well, it's it, it's funny. We we um a, a company I, I I used to work with hired an editor to it to replace a job my wife had actually left, and and I was consulting with them a bit on it, and the person who got the job and has since left the job, put on her resume that she'd been freelancing. And the reality was she had a kid and she'd done nothing other than parenting, which is, if she had said it was a family-owned company with multiple generations running it, their kids in, in positions, she got the job, but she almost didn't because she was deceptive about that. If she had said, I took time off from my career to raise my child, she probably would have gotten a pat in the back. So honesty is generally the best policy. You know, There's gray area. If you're freelancing 50% of the time, but it wasn't intentional, it's just to pay the bills, well, it's okay to say, I'm, yeah, I spent that time freelancing, but I, I really would like to go back to an office setting. If you are not really, yeah, don't. You'll get caught. Yeah. I mean, and it's okay not to share everything with an employer either. Say, like, you needed to take six months off because of some sort of embarrassing disease. Just be like, I needed to take some time off for my health. You I, don't have to say everything. I think that in general, to you, you want to be careful with disclosing health things because mm-hmm. certainly while it's discriminatory to not hire someone because they had, you know, just gone through cancer or, you know, I'm sure women your age deal with discrimination if you walk into a job and say, oh, I just got engaged, because a male boss of a certain age is going to think, is she going to have a baby? Is she going to leave? And I'm going to have to pay medical leave and not have... In general, stuff you don't have to divulge, don't divulge it. Yeah. If they ask you, say something. If they don't, just don't say anything at all. Um, anyway, we have definitely gone off track. <laughs> yes, we have. So how to we'll quit? We'll do a future show about what to say about your resume, <laughs> and it even rhymes, so it's a perfect title. Um, how to leave your job? You want to make sure that you leave well, and that means a few different things. You, but first and foremost, it means you want to leave without having burned any of your bridges. The, the first thing is give proper notice. Mm-hmm. In many industries, proper notice is two weeks. In a few industries, if you are a teacher, mm-hmm. proper notice is the end of the school year. Um, if there's a dire emergency, perhaps you know the, the turnover at Christmas time. But if you're a doctor, there might be different rules. But in general, you should give whatever the standard notice is. And I'm not a fan of giving extra because you become a dead man walking, and people stop inviting you to meetings, and it just becomes very unpleasant. But Two weeks in most cases is enough for them to, you know, figure out what you do. And as you're leaving, one, do as good a job as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. Don't leave early. Don't stop go putting the extra effort in. And do whatever you can to make it easy for the company. Meaning, if that means on the weekend you have to write up a guide to what you do and all your passwords and all the different accounts, and there are probably 10 things you do and three things I do that our bosses have no idea that we do them. Probably, yeah. <laughs> so, so sometimes it is 
important to have a handover document. Now, if you're on a line of 20 people who all do the same job, that's that's less necessary. But if you're in an area and as you leave, just be upbeat about it. But mm-hmm. don't make the people who are staying feel bad. So it's okay to say to your coworkers, yes, I, I got an exciting new opportunity, but don't say, oh, I can't wait to get out of this hellhole. Like yeah. they have to stay in the hellhole. Yeah. And you <laughs> never know. You know, your boss might be the reason you're leaving, but if you start slacking off, your coworkers are the ones who are going to bear the brunt of that. And you never know when today's person who's three levels below you is going to be sitting across the desk deciding if you get the job. Or even the phone call comes, hey, I know you used to work at this place where so-and-so used to work. What was she like? Oh, yeah. And that's happened to me in real life, too. Like I, I was, I shared earlier with you that I um, worked for someone and I moved on to another place and he applied for a job there. And I was asked, like, oh, what do you think of him? And I, I didn't even say anything particularly negative. I didn't discuss any of the actually really honestly awful things about him. <laughs> um, but I was like, oh, you know, he was a little bit hard to work with. Yeah, I, I think you And ha- that was enough to kill it. You need to be as upbeat as possible, especially if the reason you're leaving isn't because the place is terrible. If if you're leaving for a better opportunity or just because you need a change, well then don't let, you know, it's fine if they get you a cake in your last day or whatever, but take coworkers you like to lunch. Make sure you you plan drinks with people, you know, after work that you enjoyed. Send your boss a thank you note for your time there. You want to I mean don't be over the top, be yourself. But you want people to know you appreciate it, and you want to leave a good feeling, even if it's a bad work situation. Yeah. Um, The other thing to think about is, this is, I guess, kind of while you're job hunting, but also for future jobs, make sure that you leave in such a good way that you can always get a good reference, or at least someone to pick up the phone and say, yes, they definitely worked here. Yeah, it's it's funny. I, we've written about this before, but so many companies won't give references. But even at companies that, can, that say, we won't give references, they all will legally verify employment, but they don't have to return that call. They could always not be at their desk. They could cause you real problems by simply avoiding a phone call for a few days, and then you don't get the job because maybe you lied on your resume about working there. So you really want to think about, you know, even if it was a bad situation, if they're not bad people, and if they are bad people and it's dangerous, then don't give two weeks' notice, just leave. But if it's if it's just not for you anymore, even if it's a very unpleasant two weeks, it's only two weeks. It's going to be over. So upbeat, really, just respect everybody, and you know, try try to you know smile as you leave, even if the second you're out of there, you're going to crack open a bottle of champagne <laughs> and tell all your friends how terrible it was. Yeah, yeah. Do yeah. not. Just one last thing. Also. Social media is public, no matter how private you think it is. Mm-hmm. So even if you only have you know family as your Facebook friends, don't on your last day post never have to go back to this dump with these jerks and I'm cleaning up your language. But you know don't do that because you never know how things might get out there or what searches might happen or who's going to get hacked. So just you can talk quietly with your friends, but really keep it to that. Yeah, definitely. So. This was a really great show, I think, personally, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're both going to find out one way or the other. So. Fair enough. Um, but we talked about a lot of different interesting things. I wanted to close the show with a with a with a kind of a, a fun 
question, I guess. I don't know if this is fun, but let's talk about what your worst job ever was. Um, Dan? Well, I worked for a company that was bought by Playboy. And I didn't actually end up ever becoming a Playboy employee, but for about 90 days during the transition, I was back and forth to Chicago. And I don't know what they're like now. It's a very different company. But at the time, they were the most boring, awful place to work where lawyers checked everything. So I had this hip young internet company. They're buying us to be hip and young, and everything hit a brick wall. And it just became, you know, we went from think of an idea in the morning to getting it up on the web in the afternoon. And this was the late 90s where that wasn't so simple. And to everything had to go through so And by the time it, it finally got approved, Often it no longer made any sense. <laughs> so, you know, as a ten-year-old boy, you think someday I'm going to work at Playboy. There'll be naked models everywhere. There are not, <laughs> and it is just it's full of lawyers instead. <laughs> it's full of lawyers. It's full of dress codes. It's full of just. And once again, that was 1999. So I'm sure they're all lovely people and very different now. And there's probably now naked models everywhere. And it's you know the the bacchanal you would you would expect it to be. But Boy, it was you know from going from a an internet culture where you just did what felt right to a corporate culture was just a, a huge shock. Um, Austin. So I haven't had a ton of jobs. This is my first job out of college. But um, while I was in college, I worked about a month at a summer camp, and it was elementary school age kids. And I got strep throat twice <laughs> in the same month. <laughs> Little kids are—I don't know how to say this kindly—but they're a cesspool. Like they are a cesspool for germs and disease. Um, I like them, but they're dirty. <laughs> yeah. So that was probably the worst outcome I've gotten from a job. That's fair. Well, to be fair, if this is his only job, he had to say that. He couldn't say this job. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's part of leaving kindly. <laughs> Um, okay, I think it's my turn, which is I worked for a researcher where my job was to keep thousands upon thousands of fish alive. But I think that the worst thing that we did, maybe the most interesting thing that we did too, was we would show these fish horror movies. It was like fishy horror movies, though. So, like, we would make the fish watch other fish being eaten by fish. So, and then we would record their behavior, and, and we had like this setup so they, they couldn't get away from the movie in the tank. Like, they were forced to watch this like snuff film, essentially. What was the point of the research? <laughs> we were studying their mating behavior. Um, <laughs> we can get into it later, but it was just. It was just like the constant drudgery of keeping these fish alive that did not want to stay alive, mind you. They would jump out and like hit you in the face with the little tails before plunging to their death below. Um, and and then having to like, I realize they're fish. Like they're, it's not like it's not like showing children slasher films, but at the same time, you're like, I'm forcing another living being to watch the demise of another living being. Did the rate of fish suicide go up when you showed them <laughs> the movies? No, these were fish are not bright animals and i like fish i like to eat fish but i also i like i think fish are pretty um which is maybe one of the dumber things that i've said in the last couple of weeks but um and not to 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 you know put down people who really enjoy fish but this was just not not a great job <laughs> are you sure this was a real scientist also <laughs> it was a real scientist she had like government funding and everything and she was like very respected in her field it was just not the job for me um, to talk about it was just it was just drudgery. Um, 
but someone had to keep those fish alive, and I was one of those people. <laughs> fish are friends. Fish are friends. <laughs> do, do you still keep in touch with the fish? Are they are they still alive today? Uh, probably not. Also, I have so many funny stories from that job. Um, but we'll save that for another time. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. I shut my computer, and you would think that I had this memorized by now, but I don't. Here we go. As usual, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks or quit your job based solely on what you hear. Contact us at industryfocus@fool.com or by tweeting us at mfindustryfocus and let us know what your worst job was. Thank you to Austin Morgan, today's Totally Rad producer, and thank you to Dan Klein for joining me in the studio. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure. All right, everyone, have a great, excellent week in the future sometime.